You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. Friends, we're real blessed today. We're going to be doing something a little bit different this Father's Day. I've got uh, my good friend and one of our amazing church members, Tammy Parker. He's going to be joining me on the stage. Uh, Tammy has an outrageous story of just the amazing, amazing grace of God. And so I just wanted to spend some time having a conversation with him and let you guys in on that conversation. And we pray it encourages you and stirs you. And, and maybe if you're looking for Jesus today, uh, we hope that you will find him along the journey. So can we just welcome Tammy as he comes to join me here on the stage today? Welcome, Tammy. Hey, guys. Let's go. Awesome. Grab a seat, bro. Thank you. Fantastic. Well, um, Tammy is uh, is a, a good friend of mine. We we kind of go to the gym together. We hang out a bit together. Um, but also, Tammy is now part of our incredible church and in our Manurewa campus. Tammy is living on site in our Manurewa campus and Amen. doing a whole bunch of stuff in the community with uh, our good friend Marty Shamuel and Shining Light Community Trust, who just we partner with in terms of doing uh, community ministry. Which we we love these guys. They're doing absolutely phenomenal work. Just not just here in. New Zealand, but around the world, which is, is so cool. And uh, we're blessed, man. We're blessed to have you here. How are you feeling, buddy? Thanks, bro. Yeah, just really appreciate it. And, you know, really thankful to you guys. And, you know, just want to sort of start off by sharing whatever I share about tonight. Um, you know, there's quite a lot of horrible, dark stuff that I used to do. Um, but the only reason that I share it is to glorify what God has done. And so he can receive every bit of the glory and just to know how far he will come down from his own throne just for us. You know, it's so individual and it's so important just to hear that. Praise God, Tammy. Yeah, man. So true. And like, we're going to be sharing your story. We're going to get into um, some of the places you've been, the things you've seen, the things you've done. Yeah. And uh, exactly like you said, brother, we're, we're not here to glorify that. We want to give, paint the picture of that you're never too far gone. You're never too far lost. God is yeah. always looking for that one. The so Bible true. says he leaves the 99, goes after the one lost one. Amen. And praise God, he went after you and he went after me, right? Absolutely. Absolutely, bro. So, Tammy, um, tell us... Tell us where your life started for you. Um, you've got a bit of an Aussie accent, uh, but you grew up, you, you were born here in New Zealand. Tell me about early life for you. What was it like? Yeah, definitely. So we were born here in New Zealand. Uh, my family decided to move to Australia, um, you know, financial and, and other educational opportunities for myself. Um, and I left here when I was a year old and pretty much from for the next 36 years, I was in Australia. So full-blown Aussie, love it, proud of it, love the niggle too with the Kiwis and yeah. especially the Saffirs out there, love all the <laughs> niggles. You know, it's, it's really good, man. Great banter. So when the All Blacks play Australia, what's the deal? Right, the only thing I didn't go for Aussie was sport because really? we copped it at school. Yeah. You know, so Have that to. was the only thing I didn't go. Like everything else on me is Aussie except for the sport. So I'd go for literally every other team but Australia. But you, you still support the Tigers though, eh? Oh, the Tigers are different, you know? <laughs> <laughs> up the wires, up oh, the wires. Come on, let's go. Uh, so you grew up in Aussie. Yeah. Uh, what was life like as a young, young fellow growing up in Aussie? 
So my family, um, we were actually, I was actually baptized at eight years old as a Mormon. My family were in the Mormon system. And um, up until literally this year, they had been in the Mormon system until uh, by the grace of God, he was able to use the walk that he was doing with me and surrounded him with our family down at Ilan Manurewa. So, and they've just given their heart wholly, completely to God. They understand the difference between, um, you know, the Jesus in the Mormon system and the Jesus of the Bible. Wow. Wow. So you got into a bit of trouble as a youngster. Um, Your life kind of took a few few twists and turns and you ended up um, kind of getting involved with a bit of the wrong side of the tracks. Tell us a bit about that. Bro, I was, I was 24 years old. I'm now 44 this year when I made my, the worst decision of my life. I remember sitting there with a friend and we were discussing it. We'd been doing a lot of silly things like uh, debt collections for criminals and stuff like that, um, a lot of extortion work and um, just, you know, that sort of intimidation and thuggery. So you, this was you and a few mates were just doing this and, and gangs would ask you to go do stuff and you'd just do it for them and that, yeah. Yeah, so my friend that, that I was sitting having this conversation with, uh, his cousin was already a member of a different gang that I joined. Um, so they're like, oh look, we've got this to do, that to do. We'd go along um, and threaten people, you know, do collections. There's a, in Sydney, there's a, um, an, a, a, a sort of, it's our own Las Vegas, Sin City, called King's Cross. And we do collections and stuff in there. So the, the nightclubs would have to pay a tax or a, an extortion fee just to have the right to work there and the safety and the protection when people come along that want to take your money and take your business and deal drugs and do all that sort of things in there, you'd come along and remove them. So you'd keep them safe. So that was, that was where that all started. Um, we were having this conversation with my mate, and we're like, what, should we take the next step? Should we move into this um, outlaw motorcycle world? You know, should we become a part? I had a friend of mine that I was working security with. Uh, he was involved in one club. My friend's cousin was involved in another club, and then we had our friends that were involved in this third club. Um, and we sat there at 24 years old, and my friend was younger, and this is... This is how dumb, like, family, please. This is the language I use to describe myself. This is how dumb I was. At 24 years old, I made a decision to think that I had already reached the peak of my life and I was on the way down. So I was like, I'm willing to to do these stupid things. And we we, we said three things. Three things that we knew that was going to be a part of this world. Um, the first thing was, were we willing to do up to life in jail? And I thought, well, my life's on the way down. Why not? So I said, yep, we're willing to do that. He said, yes. The other thing was, because of in that involve, involved in that life, and as you guys will see on the news today, it's no different losing your life in that. So were I, was I willing to lay my life down for this stuff? And because I thought, once again, at 24 years old, my life was on the way down, I said, yes. And the third thing was the most disgusting thing of all, which was to take life. Was I willing to take life in that world? And that answer was obviously yes, unfortunately. And, you know, sitting here at 44 years old, 
just learning to know and, and love Christ, like I can't believe that I thought my life was on the way down. Wow. To me now, my life is just beginning. Like I'm still at the grass end of the mountain before I have even started climbing it. That's how I feel. Oh, praise God, bro. God is good. I believe it, man. I believe that. I believe that 100%. Amen. So, so then uh, you had an opportunity, uh, opportunity to, to then join the gang, yeah. right? And so um, tell us that, that, that part of the story, man. Um, yeah, yeah. To, to, to get involved. So we, we, there, was a, there was a group of about nine of us that were doing all these things outside the gangs, you know, all illegal things, mind you. Um, and we had basically three offers from three different clubs to jump on board. And we chose the club that we eventually did. Uh, there was five of us that went in at one time. The, we went under the then... Um, leader of the whole lot and he said look I'll take the first five then I'll take two more then two more after that once you guys get your way through um, you know you start at your your entry level uh, which was the what they call the nominee stage or a nom um, and then you work your way through and when you say work your way through people it's you know what what you see on the TVs and on the movies is how you work your way through through violence and so you worked your way up to a, a fully patched member fully of, patched. of the Comanchero motorcycle gang. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And that was, you guys were based in, around King's Cross. Was the goal of being in that gang to own King's Cross? So King's Cross was just an area. We, so we were basically, at that time, we were the only Sydney chapter. Um, and we were based in an area called Milpera, Bankstown, Bulldogs. Um, and... We were, that was like considered the stronghold of where we were there in an area called Brighton La Sands. You know, a beach area community, an affluent community, uh, but that's just where the leaders grew up. So we were in that, that was the start of it. Wow, and so as a, as a patched member of, of this gang, what, what did life look like? What were you, I mean, you don't have to give too many details, yeah. man, but like what was life like in that gang? What did you guys get up to? And I mean, so I'll talk about like my experiences and the way that my head works. Like the really good thing that I get to do today when I'm sharing with you guys is the fact that I'll tell you what was happening in my head. So all I wanted to do at that time was to be a somebody. Right. I wanted to be that person where when I walk down the street, the boys will be like, wow, there's Tammy. That's Tammy from the commos, like he's that bloke. Just, you so, know. So it's it, like an identity thing, like it wasn't. It was me thing. trying to go, it was definitely ego, it was definitely pride, and it was me trying to search for something I didn't know I was searching for. Wow. You know, so I was going that through the guys, it was all about that. They were gonna fear me, or they were gonna love me. Either way, they were gonna respect that. That was my mental thought. With the women, my thoughts were, every woman loves a bad boy. So the more women that loved me, that meant there would one day be a woman that would like, oh, he must be something special because all these women loved him. It was all about, like, even my tats, Steve. Like, I got tattooed simply because I wanted people to see me as a bad boy. Wow. So it's, at the heart of it, it's this need to fulfilled something far deeper in your life. Yeah. Like something in like, we, 
now now sitting on this side of the story, yeah, you know, bro. you know, like Absolutely. how many people are searching for that thing that they know is missing, but they can't yeah. quite put their finger on it. So you look for it in all kinds of places. Absolutely. Like I looked for it in drugs. I looked for it in violence. I looked for it through women. I looked through it to every possible place. And if you had asked me at the time, how's your life, Tammy? I would have told you I have the best life. I have, you know, flash cars. I had thousands, tens of thousands of dollars in my pockets. I had, you know, so much drugs that I could throw it around. I had jewelry, I had brand name stuff, Prada this, Gucci that, all that rubbish. To think that I could look like a somebody or be a somebody with this without knowing the whole time I was completely empty. With every bit that I filled it with, it made me even more emptier. And I had no idea that there was a void. I had no idea that I was searching for something. And I had no idea that that's what I was trying to do at that time. Obviously, until Christ came along. Wow. And, and so, like, gang life, is it kind of like, it's like a family? It's like a brotherhood? Like you, or is it not all that it seems? Well, I mean, like, we've got that movie, uh, What Becomes of the Brokenhearted, right? That was made in New Zealand. And that classic line, gangs ain't all it's cracked up to be, brother. Wow. It really ain't. There's brotherhood, there's family. Um, when it comes down to the fine points, the nitty gritty, it's about survival of the fittest. It's that dog eat dog world. And you know, there's so many common stories. When you go to jail, your brothers are the ones that will look after your family, mm. meaning they'll take your wife out and make her your partner. Yeah, they'll sleep with your wife, wife, they'll sleep with your girlfriend, they'll do all those things, go behind your back, they'll take your drug runs, they'll take all your stash, your money, everything. You know, I've been told of a story where a guy's own blood, cousin's family, that at his funeral, after his funeral, they ran to his house and cleaned them out while the wife was watching. Give us the money, give us the everything. Gold, jewelries, everything gone. Wow. So... Yeah, it's not all what it's cracked up to be, right? Not at all, man. Not right. at all. So, I mean, obviously gang life, it leads you down some pretty, pretty dark paths. Um, selling, dealing drugs, yep. uh, violence, gun violence. You were yes. involved in shootouts. Yes. Um, by the grace of God, you, 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 you came through all that and yeah, man. didn't lose your life and uh, weren't uh, injured too badly. I mean, you were, you were also... Uh, almost like a semi-pro boxer as well. You'd, you'd be doing, yeah, doing training and fighting and stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. It was like the amateur system. So you got the pro system and the amateur system. The only difference is one gets paid, one doesn't. Um, but yeah, that was, that was also, that was actually really good because that was something that helped me to, during that time of all that violence, it really helped control that level of violence in me because once I became so confident in looking after myself or fighting, it, I wasn't searching for it as hard. Right. You know, it's, it was like, I'd already proved it to myself that where I can go to in the depths of what sort of, you know, the type of punishment and the amount of punishment you can take as well as dish out. Wow. So, so this all culminates in obviously a run-in with the police. <laughs> Somewhere yep. along the line. Yep. And I imagine there were multiple runs in with the police Absolutely. and a lot of cat and mouse games going yeah. on. Um, Definitely. Because again, it's survival of the fittest, right? You've yep. just, who can outlast the law the, the longest? And um, you ended up um, getting in some pretty serious trouble. Tell us about that. 
Um, so the last time, so there, yeah, like when it came to getting into trouble, there was a whole lot of stuff that I got arrested for. I'd spend a lot of overnights in jail. I'd spend a lot of um, times in the cells where they'll just, you'll get bail and stuff. It's a lot of smaller stuff. And, you know, the police are, are literally trying to build a case against you for the bigger stuff. Um, and then it got to the point where, like, enough was enough. You know, it was time to, to get thrown away. Um, and I did up to 15 months um, for the crimes that I had. There were multiple that I got locked away with. Um, and it was actually quite, it, it's like the way that I say it and the way that I see it and the way that I believe it in my heart is God gave me the exact amount of time that I needed to come to him. Wow. You know, so often when people are going through and we've got like, um, when we did, you know, testimony week at Monday with the other other week, one of the ladies that got up and shared and shared about her son that's going through the same predicament at the moment, my encouragement was to her is how I prayed for myself, how I pray for um, others and, you know, family members that are going through it, for God to give them the right amount of time, you know, for not us to go, please set him free. Yeah. But Lord, please give him the time that is going to take him to find or her to find you. And that's exactly what he gave me, 15 months. There was three charges, and they were all around two years each, so they could have put them back to back to back and made it six years minimum. That's two years minimum. Or they could have run it consecutively, and you could have ran the two years. But for some reason, I got less than that. Right. So that's what makes me think. The last time that I was in court, I got... I went into jail in 2009, I came out in 2011. I got re-arrested for crimes from 2009. And those crimes were, I was, I went to, I spent the next two years in, on trial in court. Um, for that charge, we were looking at up to about a minimum of 10 years if found guilty. They also then introduced a second case that in that time it had, we were looking roughly for a guilty verdict anywhere up to about 30 years. And then the third one, which is the worst one of all, um, there was a possibility of up to life. So this was for, they were actually looking for terrorist charges for this, and we would have been the first bike club in Australia to be charged with terrorism charges. Wow. That's, mm. So that's pretty confronting. And I remember we chatted yeah. the other day, and you were saying, like, basically, the, you're on your own. Yeah. Like, th this gang, this club, this family... Yeah. As soon as you're in that deep, they're like, it's, all, it's you and you alone, buddy. Oh, man, it's a, it's a real chess piece. Like, um, that criminal world, club life, is a, is a real masterful game. Where in that sort of area, because you're all together, so there was, I think, from memory, somewhere like nine up to 12 on that case. So you're all sitting there, and realistically, everyone's got like the high-end boys with big money. They've got their big high-end silks, you know, top-of-the-range guys that are like two to five thousand dollars a day in trial. Wow. Yeah, they're paying big money, and then you've got you know other guys like myself down the lower end of the scale with the you know your barristers and stuff like that that you need to get through. So. Sitting there, it's all, you can actually see, like I look at it now and can see all the individual stuff in it, but it's made to look like you're doing it together as a group because you can't separate. Why? Divide and conquer. 
So if, if, the, if, if you separate, then there's a good chance that someone's going to go and look after themselves. So the group makes it look like there's a togetherness, there's a bond, there's a brotherhood. But it's once you get through all of that, that's when they scatter like cockroaches. Once you've made it through, I don't need you anymore. Boom. Cockroaches. Wow. So uh, rather than all of the prison sentences and all that stuff, they deport you to New Zealand. Yeah. So, so you, you're born here at one year old, you moved to Australia. Left. So you're, all in all, you're Australian. Yeah, completely. And, in then, all, and then they pass this law where they're just going to deport criminals back to New Zealand. And yep. so they, they send you here and you know nobody here. Man, I didn't even know how to get on a bus here. I didn't even know if there were still movie stores like Blockbuster. I don't know if you guys know that. Like, I wouldn't even be able to get a, a movie out, you know? Like, I knew nothing, bro. We didn't know how to get around. Like, just to get, just to walk around Westfields and Newmarket, I needed the GPS. So, yeah, it was, it was completely brand new. It wasn't, I mean, it, I was like sharing how, you know, families that come from completely different countries, completely different cultures, completely different, um, you know, continents and worlds, languages when they come to a, a place like New Zealand or Australia like I completely admire them because of how difficult that is for me to come from Australia to New Zealand like we're uh, uh, apart from all the banter we're relatively similar yeah. right yeah. but there were so many differences right. small differences thousands thousands and thousands of little differences and I spent the first six months here complaining about it all to God like, God, I hate this. God, I hate that. Look at that, God. I hate that over there. I can't stand it. It's not Australia. Not Australia, not Australia, not Australia, not Australia. And it hurt. Like, there were just so many random times when I'd think of family or talk to family and friends in Australia. I'd just run to the room and bawl my eyes out because I missed them so much. Wow. And it was through God's grace, he helped me to realize that, he goes, if you keep doing that, this is how it's going to be for you. But if you don't turn that thought process around and start you know, what they call fake it till you make it, finding things you love. You know, the weather, <laughs> I love this weather. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, that's amazing. You know, everyone needs this much rain, just ask yeah. the ducks, you know, it's amazing. And how cold it is, yay, <laughs> you know, it was amazing. But within a, within a very short amount of time, it was one day I, re I remember and I was just like, oh man, love that. Actually, I do love that. Oh my gosh, I love that. Wow, and things started to transform and then God really started to move in that space and really like I was such a proud fool, which is a very bad thing, such a proud fool Aussie like, you know, that I didn't want to love anything about New Zealand because it was just that flesh in me that wanted to control my life and couldn't. I didn't want to get sent somewhere I didn't want to be. I wanted to be where I wanted to be. And I didn't want to take accountability for my actions either, that I was the reason that I was sent here. Like I actually used to complain to God, God, why am I here? What is this? Like they say, what's going on? Was I going to die? Was I going to get killed by my gang? What's going on? And it took four years of me whinging to him that he finally let me know that was basically my own actions that landed me here. And I was so grateful. Because once I knew that, I was like, well, who are you going to complain about now? Yeah. You're going to complain about yourself. Might as well just get up and do the right thing and, you know, start moving forward. And that's what God really did with me there. That's amazing, bro. Amen. Um, so 
So somewhere in the midst of that story, there was a come to Jesus moment. Oh yeah. There's that moment where the light comes in and my and, and you meet God. So like, where did that happen? How did that happen? Like, what was the process? And I know for some people, it's like it's like they open a door and they're there. For other people, it's like climbing a ladder. It's like one little step at a time. And then and then next thing you know, you're like, okay, I'm I'm almost there. I got one more step and I'm over the line. You know. Yeah. So what was it like for you? Man, I'm like. Um you know, like I like to describe my personality as an extremist. Like when I was in that lifestyle, I was all the way in that lifestyle, very deep. Now that I'm walking with Christ, I like to be all the way in deep with Christ. Like every single bit of it, he says jump, I just run and jump. I don't ask questions. I don't, I have that much faith and trust in what he's going to do. I just do it. So it started in 2016 when I got grabbed for uh, immigra- by, Im- like by the police for immigration to be deported back to New Zealand. I was in a jail cell. I was sitting at this jail cell. In 2013, around 2013, 2014, I left the criminal world. I left that. I played on the fence of that. For a, for a year or two, and then I realized the worst place to be in the world is on the fence. And actually, now I come to believe the worst place to be in the world in Christianity is on the fence. Yo. You know, and it's, just, it's, it's either, for me, it's you jump all in or you get all the way out. Either way, it's like you sit on the fence, you're the first one for the sniper to take out. Wow. Because you're up there. So, is it, I love it, bro. Amen. It's, you know, there's... Um, you know, the amazing passage in Revelation where God's like, hey, just be hot or be cold. Amen. Like no lukewarm. lukewarm. And like, God, you know, God, this is God's description. If you're lukewarm, I'll spit you out of my mouth. Like, you don't, you don't taste good. Just be hot or cold. That's right. And uh, it's powerful, bro. I love it. Absolutely, you know. So in that cell, I remember sitting there and it was like, it was so confronting like I had made so many promises I was married at the time I'd made promises to my parents I'd made promises to my ex-wife I'd made promises to their family and you know even like today like I like to be have people to trust I like to you know to be that trustworthy Christian that people can rely on hey man I need help or I need you to be here I need this I need that I want to be there I want my yes to be yes and I want my no to be no and even in that time it was like that. So when, when I went to, to jail, I was like, man, everyone's going to think I'm a liar again. Everyone's going to think I've gone back again. Everyone's going to think I'm a junkie again. And I'm like, I can't be this. Like, what's going on? And it was funny the way that I like to talk about it at this stage. It's like God showed me that you tried the criminal world. You ticked that box, you failed, son. You're now trying the legitimate world. So when I came out of that, I became a tradesman and I eventually bought into a business and was working. Like I was, I learned my trade and I was working in the construction site. I was trying that and it still crumbled around because of deportation. And it was like, you've ticked that box, try that. He goes, what about me? Try me. Tick the box, see how you go. And I was like, yeah, I'll tick the box, try this God thing. And when it doesn't work, I can go for the next box. And we're still in that box and we're still loving life and it's incredible. It's a, it's a big box, bro. It's, yeah, it's yeah, a yeah, humongous yeah. box, yeah, yeah. amen. Yeah. yeah. Um, so so where, where were you when you had that moment like where you, where you decided I'm going to really go all in for Christ and I'm going to, I'm going to, was God. this in prison? Was it back in New Zealand? Where were you? 
This is the amazing part of what I really love about my journey. So 2016, we were there. I started the process. I gave my life. I, I remember. So God, you know, he comes down to our levels and he works with us because we can never obtain his level. So he comes to us. And he used, I used to love gangster movies, you know, the mafia type movies and stuff like that. He used that. And he used like the way that, that Catholics do the confessional. So I remember sitting in the cell like, okay, God, I'm going to confess my deepest, darkest secrets to you. And these are it. And I told him, and I was like, no one else knows these, Lord. So even though I know you know them, for some reason I knew he knew them. I don't know why, but I was like, I'm going to tell you. So I sat there, and I remember sitting on, on, on the jail bed, this concrete slab with, you know, this, this, this plastic mattress. And... I was bawling my eyes out, like after all these confessions and just giving my heart to him, bawling, bawling, bawling my eyes out. But um, I remember swinging my foot like this on the bed, like a little kid. And I was like, Tammy, like with all these tears coming down, Tammy, what are you doing, man? <laughs> you're, like, you're like a little kid. Why are you so happy? I was like, and I used the word joyful. I never used that word. Like I was happy. In the world, you say you're happy. I was like, why are you joyful? I was like, I don't know. And I never understood why, and obviously I, I get it now, it's the joy right. right? So in 2016, I said, I, st I, I call it my starting process. I started there with the Lord because um, through, through, through a really good friend, Marty, he helped me to understand that I didn't give my whole heart to the Lord. So what I did was I, I tried to barter with the Lord. I was like, Lord, I'll come to you. If you give me Australia, let me stay here. Right. Okay. And obviously, that wasn't what was going to happen. So nine months later, I arrived on the shores of New Zealand. But in 2020, I met Marty. So I had been praying from, tw from 2016 when I landed here to 2020 when I met Marty. I'd been praying for something I didn't know. Like I wasn't sitting there like, God, give me this really loud Arab that just loves on you and he'll just uh, like tackle you with so much. I wasn't praying that, but that's what God gave me. And I love it. I love it completely. I don't think, I don't think his wife even prayed for that. <laughs> That's what you got, man. Yeah, yeah. and um, he helped me. So he, he discipled me, and, and he showed me the importance of being discipled because I was, as a Christian, I was walking through, and I was trying to learn as best as I can, and I like to describe it as I was walking in, like, chest-high chest, chest high mud swamp, and I'm walking through, and there was this thick, dense bush above me. So I'm pushing through. That's my walk in Christ, and that was from 2016 to 2020. And then when Martin helped me to realize there's some willful sin that I was carrying in my life that I didn't know how to get rid of. And these were things that they weren't in the Bible. Like I had a car that, that my uncle, that I bought off my uncle, but it had money owing on it. So the finance company by law owned it. And I wasn't honoring being truthful to the law. I was being disobedient. Wow. And I didn't realize that. I was like, yeah, but I paid for it. And he's like, yeah, but by law, they can come along and collect it. You know, so he's like, you have to return that. And I needed that. That was my vehicle for work. I was a tradesman here. I was like, okay, let's jump in. Let's go all in. Lord, I trust you. There's the vehicle. I'm going to return it. And when I went through that, I rang the banks. I rang the, 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 um, the people that, that owned the vehicle. I rang the, um, the, like, did all the VIN number checks and all of that, all of that. Nothing came back. I was so confused. And I, and I rang money. And I was like, look, bro, this, this is not coming back. It's saying it's saying, and he goes, you, you know what's going on? And I'm like, not really. He's like, because of your obedience to God, God's removed that. 
And I like uh, that. That's that freaked me out. Like I was like, wow, really? Like just through these simple things that we surrender to God, that we can give Him through through our discipleship, that we can become closer to him and from that point like I started dropping everything everything that I knew that I was carrying in my life that I wasn't sure of that he pointed out I got rid of I was like man I don't want this baggage I mean it's like chucking in you know 20 kilo dumbbell here and a 10 kilo dumbbell here and then strapping on a 30 kilo dumbbell to your foot and walking around in life why would I want that yeah I don't want that and when I got rid of all of that God changed my walk from that swamp and that dense bush into a white, rapid, really fast, fast-flowing river where He put the donut—not the not the not not the ones from Krispy Kreme, but the the ones on the rubber at the back of the the boats. You know those rubber donuts. He put me into one of those, and my life went flying at His pace wow. from then on, and it was incredible. All I had to say was yes and amen to Him, and He took me the rest of the way. Wow, amazing. Praise God. That's incredible, eh? So, um, what does it look like now for you, man? What does life look like now? Walking with Jesus, doing ministry. That's what you're doing now full-time is ministry, right? You're in the community. Like, you work for Marty, which we need to pray and fast for you, my guy. But anyway, (laughs) that's that's another sermon. Man, it's amazing, bro. It absolutely is. Like... I remember when I first started with Shining Light and with Marty, there was this, oh, so we were cutting hair. A part of the, some of the stuff that we do is we cut hair for the homeless and we were in the city and I was cutting this guy's hair and, you know, the battle between good and evil was, was, was rife. So I'm cutting this guy's hair and you can smell that he hasn't washed and that his clothes are dirty and stuff like that. And it got to the point where at the end of the haircut, we, we offer them prayer, we like to pray for them and... Satan starts, don't pray for him. Don't you pray for him. Don't you dare pray for him. He smells, don't you do that. And I was like, oh, cool. You're telling me what to do, Satan? So I'll do the opposite. So I prayed for him. And at the end of it, he starts going, Satan, don't you hug him. Don't you dare hug him. Don't you do that. He smells, Tammy. You're better than him, Tammy. You're this, Tammy. You're that, Tammy. Remember who you are. Be prideful. Be this. Be that. So I hugged the guy and I squeezed him tight. And even while I could smell his clothes and everything, I was like, I love you, man. I love you, bro. And Satan's like, don't, don't. (laughs) And he was gone. Satan was gone because he realized I wasn't going to listen to him. And And when the gentleman left and he loved it and I was walking down and I was literally, I was almost drunk with the Holy Spirit for a lack of better word. And I was like, I said to Marty, bro, this is something crazy going on inside of me. He's like, what's happened? And I was like, Satan was doing all of this while I was doing that. And he's like, so what's happening now? And I was like, it's like God's opened my eyes to the beauty and the lies, the beauty of him of God and the lies of Satan, how he tells you that he tells us to be individuals. He tells us to do it on our own. You're the one that got up this morning. You're the one that dieted. You're the one that went to the gym. You, 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 you're the educated person. When it's not, it's all God, every bit of it. 
He's the one that woke us up. He's the one that gave us the wisdom or the knowledge to go to uni. He's the one that gives us the energy to go to the gym and push through. He's the one that disciples us to give us the ability to know what to do, to eat healthy and so on and so forth. It was him. And he just helped me to realize, and I realized how beautiful it is to serve. Wow. To go out there and be the representation in the darkness of the light. To go out and love those in the community that don't receive love. Right. Like it's actually probably really confusing for them to have someone, a complete stranger love. And we've been told that. Yeah. They've come up after a time, they've come up and they're like, guys, we just, just really love how you guys love us. Like week in, week out, consistently, you're there. Rain, hail, or shine, you're there for us. You love us. And that for us, it's very strategic. Yep. It's, it's, it's to show God's consistency. It's to show God's love. Yep. It's to show that God is there and present in every moment of our life through the good and the bad. You know, so working in the community, and it's like, I like to describe when, he's, when you're being used to bless someone, that he's going to pour out his blessing onto that person, but you're going to cop the splash. You're going to cop the overflow from that. And you're sitting there like, oh, God, thank you so much. This is amazing. I love you so much. And that person's walking down the road like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. I love this so much. That's how amazing it is to walk and to serve God in full time, to trust in him. You know, everything in the world, when, when that all happened, everything in the world told me no. Satan kept telling me, no, bro, you need money. You need to, to, to get ahead in life. You need to get a home. You need to get all of these things. And, you know, when we talk about surrendering things at God's feet, that includes all of that. All of it. It includes all of that. And look, man, God's giving me an amazing warm home with the most beautiful neighbors. Like, I've got neighbors that tell me they pray for me. Like, that's incredible. Like, one of the lovely old ladies, like, my, like I, I call them my nannies. Like, these are my nans. Like, my nans are there, and, you know, like, when they've got their little rubbish bins to take out, nan, can I take that for you? Can I do that? You know, it's the best community to live amongst Christians that, that just love Jesus so much, and they'll walk past our, our warehouse, and they'll be like, morning, Tammy, how are you? We've been praying for you. How's everything? I'm sitting there like, it's so beautiful. It's amazing, Lord. Thank you. The more that I've given to God, the more that he's, the more that I've given to him, left it at his feet and walked away and not expected a single thing back, the more he's returned. It's amazing, bro. I'm so proud of you, man. I just like, it's God's just incredible. Can can you, if there was one thing you wanted to leave with everyone here, like one thing you wanted to encourage everyone with, um, what would that one thing be right now? What would you say to these people sitting here? It's definitely discipleship, guys. Get discipled because the stuff that you're, the, the transformation that happened in my life at 2020, when, it, when I got rid of the things that I should not have been carrying, all that willful sin that I was carrying, and we went from there to there and just started completely trusting in God in everything. Like, I've, it's Father's Day. Okay, guys, I just want to share some personal things with you. I have four kids in heaven. I lost them through miscarriage, all right? I've trusted, I'm 44 years old. I'm trusting in the Lord that if it's his will, that I I can become a father, right? And even if it's not, if it's not his will for me to be a father, I've left it with him. 
Yeah, bro. You know, like that's, that's the biggest worldly will I have is to be a parent. And I've left that. It's, if, it's not my, if it's not his will for me, I don't want it. Right. I don't want what I want. I want what he wants to give me. And that's the most beautiful thing. And trust and faith, it all builds from that. Mm. It really does. You know, so if there is anything that I can leave with you guys today, it is find someone, find, you know, speak to pastor and just get discipled. Surrender everything that you have that you're carrying that you should not be and trust in the Lord for every single thing. Everything. Praise God, man. Amen. Can we thank Tammy? God bless you guys. You're a legend, bro. Actually, uh, Tammy, Tammy, could you pray for us, man? Could you pray for us right now? That would be yeah. such a blessing, man. I'd love to. Dear Lord Jesus, God, I just thank you and just so amazed by the work that you do, Lord God. And I just want to glorify your name, Lord yes. God, that each and every day that we carry your name, Lord God, that we bring the right things, that we get to carry it in the right way, that we get to glorify your name, that we get to be, you know, the righteous servants that you have created us to be, Lord God. Father, I thank you for each and every one of the hearts that you have placed in this room tonight, Lord God, that I pray that each and every word that was said by me was to, to not only glorify your name, but to just work inside these hearts, Lord God. And, and any stirring that you have been doing with the Holy Spirit in here, Lord God, tonight, I pray that if you guys are, are feeling that stir, if you are feeling that movement that God is making in your heart, I pray that you step out, yeah. that you start becoming the book of Acts, that you stand up and you move, and you move towards the direction that God is opening for you, that you go through the doors that God has opened for you, that you stand up and you be bold in our community for Christ, as he has done so many things for us, that he has sacrificed so many things for us, that we could do this, that we could be there, that he gave his life for our sins, that we get to do this, Lord God, and I just pray that... Um, that in that movement that you open doors for people, that they get to realize that they become bold and strong in your name, Lord God, that we continue to move. Father, just keep this church healthy. Keep our leaders healthy. Keep them safe. Keep them away from um, anything that is going to bring harm to them, Lord God. And just keep our home ready to glorify your name. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Can we thank Tammy one more time? Thank you, brother. Thank you, brother. Hey, I want to I want to um, just offer just two challenges, and then I want to pray one more prayer. The first challenge is this: if you if you feel stirred to um, maybe get involved with what Tammy and Marty are doing with Shining Light and the stuff we they do in the community, like almost every single day of the week, um, that we partner with them. They're in, they're basing it based at our Manurewa campus, and um, they help people, homeless people. They're on the street. They help families in need. All. all like you name it they're into it and if you feel God stirring you to take a step and get involved I want to encourage you to go um, chat with Tammy afterwards and chat with Marty Marty stand up so everyone can see you bro he's the, he's the other guy wearing the Jesus loves you t-shirt just an absolute legend that's the uh, that's the crazy Arab that um, Tammy was talking about um, everyone's favorite Habibi here we go and um, the second thing is this, maybe God is um, speaking to you about laying something down. Like there's something in your life that you are still holding on to that God is asking you to lay down to step fully into what he has for you. I wanna challenge you to go home and do that tonight. Just trust God that he, he will bring and he will provide everything you need. And even more than that, if you just trust him and you just walk in obedience. 
I wanna pray for you. Can we best bow our heads and close our eyes just for a few moments? Uh, I wanna pray one more prayer. If you're here in this room and you, maybe you don't know Jesus, maybe you've come and you've heard Tammy's story and you're thinking, man, I wanna know that Jesus. I wanna know that God. Maybe you are far from him today. Maybe you've walked with him before, but maybe you've walked away from him. I wanna tell you a few things. Firstly, God loves you, God made you, God has a wonderful plan for your life. We all mess up, we all sin, we all fall short of God's standard. And our sin, it separates us from God, but God in His grace sent His own Son, Jesus, to a cross. When He died on that cross, He took upon Himself everything that you and I would do for our sin. And then He conquered death and the grave and He rose again to new life. And He extends to every single person here tonight, not judgment or condemnation, but grace forgiveness for all of your wrongs, a brand new life that begins right here, right now. It's called being born again by the Spirit of God. God will make you a brand new person from the inside out. You get to walk into the plans that God has for your life. He's got a plan and a purpose for you, friend, greater than you could ever imagine for yourself. And then there's this great promise of eternity in heaven with Him. And if you're here today and you're not right with God, but you want to be, I want to invite you to pray a very simple prayer with me. I'll pray it out loud. You just pray it with me in your heart. But when you pray it, I want you to mean it with everything you've got. This is your come to Jesus moment. Are you ready? Just in your heart, you can pray these words. Say, God, today, I surrender my life to you. I know I've sinned. I know I've messed up. But I believe, Jesus, you died for me. So right now, I turn from my old way of life and I turn to you. I ask you to come in and be the Lord of my life today. I ask you to take... Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Center podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancenter.org.nz.